0: Hello and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have.
1: Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello
0: and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are starting a four episode series where we share how we met our spouses and within that we also discuss what characteristics one might look for in a spouse. This week we are starting with Lauren's story.
1: Yeah Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) Well Alicia brought this topic up and originally we were talking about maybe like doing it around Valentine's Day but we decided we're not. We're going to do it now. (laughs) And we realize that we talk a lot about being moms, and we talk a lot about ideas and philosophies and theology and how to live in the world and interact, but we don't talk a ton about our individual experiences of marriage with our individual spouses, and we certainly have never really told our stories. So we thought it would be fun to do an episode or a couple maybe on our love stories. And how those love stories have matured and changed through the years through the not so lovely things and through you know when when the when the infatuation and the, and the butterflies died it died out if they ever did some of us yes, some of us not yet <laughs> how do they come back in a new and refreshing ways how do they transform how did we overcome real hurdles with these men that we're married to and we've all been married at least a decade we have that in common maybe more um So we just thought we would share. And one thing that Alicia had said was talk about if you were advising somebody or to look for a husband or what to look for in a husband, what sorts of things in your husband would you advise them to look for? Like things that have become a beautiful part of their virtue or things you've seen them grow into. Sort of just an open-ended discussion about that. So I'm going to start because my story is a little bit, crazy and fun. So most of you know by now that I am a revert, which is like a convert with a bonus because I was baptized Catholic, but I was never actually catechized in the church, meaning that I never actually went through and received my sacraments in the proper order, went to catechesis. I didn't do any of those things. My mom worked all the time and very, very hard, and it just would not work with our schedule. So what ended up happening is um, my aunt sort of took over my formation. My aunt was Protestant, though. And so at eight years old, after having been under this wonderful holy woman's example, every summer I would go to stay with her for a week or two during VBS, I would watch her with her family the way that she loved and cared for them. And to this day, I still try to model my motherhood and my family life after this very holy woman, my Aunt Carrie. If somehow she's listening, you are an angel. Thank you for for teaching me to love God and study scripture. So by the time I was eight years old, I had a profound encounter with Christ under this woman's care. And I began In earnest, and this is truly the truth as an eight-year-old, in earnest development of a faith life in the Protestant church, in a Baptist church in particular, more non-denominational as as the years went on. But um, so my husband, now we're going to fast forward to when I was about 13 or 14, and I was still very active in this one church. It's a huge church in Austin, Texas, an amazing youth group, one of the best I've ever seen. My husband was also active in that church because a friend of his had brought him to church because he told him, if you come to church with me on Wednesday nights, there's a lot of really pretty girls, and they all are playing volleyball. (laughs) So my husband, not at the time having a developed or well-developed personal faith of his own, His interest was piqued because it was free pizza and pretty girls playing volleyball and volleyball (laughs) and lots of loud music. And it was just a really fun place for kids to be, for teenagers to be. Now, he is when he came on the scene at this church, he was about 16 or 17. And I was a little younger. I was 13. Both of us ran in different friend groups, but we knew each other. He was very buff and very cute and very handsome. And so I knew of him obviously as a 13 year old girl. And he tells me that he knew of me and thought I was pretty, but I was too young. So he never really talked to me and we didn't really, but we did have some friends in common. So we ended up spending a few years sort of crossing paths with each other here and there at this Baptist youth group, growing in our faith, learning to love God. And then as, college approached and moves happened, we went our separate race and never, never even thought of each other again until we were reunited through one of those mutual friends who we still kept in touch with during a conversation that happened on social media. And we noticed each other and then we started making the connections. Hey, you were in the youth group. And, and from there, we started to just talk more often and we started hanging out Now, here's where it gets interesting. In that interim period, that long interim period between when I was like 14 and then now reconnecting with him at almost 30, I had had a major reversion back to the Catholic Church that started at my Baptist college, by the way, because I had really good professors who had us reading really early church history. And whoops, that was a mistake if you wanted to keep, you know, no, I'm just kidding to all our Protestant friends out there, but you know, I started reading a lot of early church history and a lot of apologetics and started going down rabbit holes with some of these Catholic authors and memoir writers, Friedrich Buechner, um Kathleen Norris, um, lots of different, uh, Ron Hansen, some I'm throwing these out because some of you may know who these are. These are some of the, the writers that my, that my professors had had us reading in a memoirs class. And that really led, that and so many other things, led to a deep reversion back to the Catholic church in my heart. And I had already, once I became convinced of the Eucharist, there was nothing else left to fall, that was it. And I knew I would never, never again return to the Protestant church, and I didn't. After that day when I really learned and and felt in my heart, I was reading a lot of Scott Hahn. It was just, it was very much a lonely reversion back to the church. I did go through RCIA later, but I really came back to God and to his church through reading. And so I, I read and read and read and read and became convinced So all this is going on in my life. In the meantime, my husband is going through a bunch of other things in his life. He went into the military. There's lots of other details that happened there too. But right before we had reconnected, God had been calling him to the Catholic Church randomly, and he didn't know why. And he had started to begin his own investigations. These things were going on apart from each other. And then when we met, we realized we both were being drawn back to the church, both having no formation in that church previously, both being drawn back through things that we had read and through a pull to give God a more sacramental, a more um, historically faithful look again. And so that was how it went for him in a more intellectual direction. Mine was more a pull from the heart. So my friend, not friend, from our huge Baptist youth group when we were teenagers, and I got married as Catholics and began our family from there. So that was, that was how it went, and with each child, the conversions back to the church were deeper for different reasons. Uh, with my first child, I really feel like she was that glue that reminded us that this is what we're here for, this is the direction and the vision we're going we want to change the tide of our families, which were um, had a history of brokenness within them and, and sadness, and there's divorce on both sides and lots of other pain. And we really wanted to raise our children differently and try to do it differently. So that was she was like the beginning of it for us. And then with my son, there was that was when I was really beginning to lean deeper into Carmelite spirituality, and I feel like he sort of ushered that deeper conversion in with my second son. um, It was even more about our marriage in particular. We had, by that time, my two-year-old is, now he's two and a half, by the time he'd been born, we'd have been married long enough to have quite a few struggles uh, financially, outside of our marriage, within our marriage tremendously, two very broken people with very different personalities. Um, And we have learned that we are not good fighters and that we are not good friends to each other when the other one is in a state of anxiety. And that has been a tough road for us is learning how to relate kindly in pressure situations. We're not great at that, we never have been great at that. And so there's, there's quite a bit of heat that goes on between us even to this day in anxious or tense situations we tend to turn on each other. And that's a very vulnerable thing to say but I'm just being honest, like these are the struggles that we're having to work through even now. And a lot of that has to do with our past, our own traumas, our own just reliving our own post-traumatic stress when the other person is in stress. And so we're really, when I say that I love my husband, I do love my husband. He is a gentle, virtuous, precious man. But the peace that we have between us is hard one and we've had to fight for it every single step of the way and none of it has come easy for us. Um, I wish that it had, it would have made our whole life a lot more. But we've learned as we've gotten older how to support one another, how to give each other a little more space and how to how to trust each other and how to give grace when grace is the very last thing that you want to give in a situation when you're feeling tense and hurt. And so I come to you, listeners, with a marriage that I do not believe is easy I don't believe that we've conquered half of the things that we need to <laughs> having been married over a decade. I think we have a lot of work to do. We have leaned into a couple of really beautiful ministries and movements to help us with this process. And that has been incredibly fruitful. I know we've mentioned this before, the domestic church movement um, has been a total bridge between our two spiritualities. He's just very different than me. and. I'm very different than him and his traumas are different than my traumas. <laughs> and But that, that movement in particular, um, which pushes us together to be in the presence of God together has been a tremendous boon. And so one thing I will say to you, um, girls who are looking for a husband, women who are looking for how do I How can I improve my marriage when maybe my guy isn't on board with improving it or isn't really willing to work on himself maybe? I would say to you that a sacramental marriage is a unifying force. And what you do in your life and in your prayer life will affect him for good, and it will move move him in the direction he needs to go, even if you don't see any improvement. Keep holding on. Keep praying. Keep doing what God is telling you to do. Go deeper into your faith. For girls that are looking for a husband, look for a gentle guy, okay? Look for a guy who can handle some heat when it comes at him without completely shutting down. Look for somebody who's willing to work through conflict. Look for somebody who has longevity. Look for someone who's steady. That's what I would tell you from my experience. Look for a steady and stable person who can... Be someone who can weather some of these storms without falling apart. If I had to give advice, that's what I would say. Look for someone who's nice to their mom. My husband and my mother-in-law's relationship is so beautiful and sweet. They're like just friends and they love each other and lean on each other. And it's not at all, you know, I know that some of the experiences of some of our listeners have been kind of with that, like, no, that's a mama's boy, that's bad. and there have been, I know that theres there are situations where it leans in that direction, where the mother-in-law has an unhealthy place um, within the context of the family in terms of the husband's relationship with her, the wife's. I got lucky. She's incredible. Like, she's the best mother-in-law in the world. She understands boundaries, and she doesn't try to push them, and she just is a wonderful person. But more than that, I think... that he is a wonderful man, and he is willing to work hard and support us. So look for somebody who's hardworking, look for somebody who's stable, look for someone who loves women, who respects women, who doesn't talk down to women or about women. Those are the things I would um, recommend after having lived with this man for this many years, these beautiful qualities that he has. Look for someone who likes little kids, (laughs) because if you're a Catholic woman, you guys need to like kids and if you don't <laughs> like kids, like you've got to at least be able to tolerate them. Now I know that comes with a grace with marriage I once do. you have your own, you may not like them much, but can you tolerate them a little bit? And then God will give you the grace for the ones that he gives to you. It's is totally different that feeling. But I think that at the end of the day, the most important thing is, is this man's heart open to God? I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he doesn't sin. I'm not saying he doesn't have major attachments. But is this person's heart warm toward the Father? This is a major thing. If a person's heart is warm toward God and warm toward you, then any movement the Holy Spirit makes between either one of you and any either one of you is going to bear fruit in the other's life. And that is what I would say to girls that are looking, to women that are looking to improve their marriage, That is my advice in our story. And you can tell me what you think in the comments.
0: Or join our Facebook group, um, Coffee and Catholics. Uh, We have a business page, which is Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. And then we have a group page. So feel free to join our group because we don't always see the comments when you guys comment on your uh, favorite podcast platforms because we're on so many of them. We don't always see those. But if you'd like for us to hear your story, join our Facebook group. You can message us just through there, or you can also email us at coffee and Catholics at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you, and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.